Welcome back to Cycle Wisdom, where we empower women to restore natural menstrual cycles, to improve health, and promote fertility. I'm your host, Dr. Monica Minger, and I'm so glad you are listening today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about two important lab panels that I always look at when it comes to evaluating your menstrual cycles as well as fertility. The first things we'll be talking about today are blood sugar or glucose, as well as insulin, both of which are considered hormones. And they also play a very important role when it comes to regulation of your hormones and fertility levels. Then we'll talk a little about cholesterol or a lipid profile, which is not technically considered a hormone. However, cholesterol is a precursor for steroid hormone synthesis, which converts to many of the other hormones that we've been talking about in the past, like progesterone and DHEA. So let's start off today with a patient story about a past client of mine who we'll call Natalie. Now, she had actually been through some evaluation with a fertility doctor, and they had told her there was no way she was going to get pregnant on her own because she was having such short, irregular cycles. Natalie was told that she would need in vitro fertilization in order to get pregnant, but that wasn't something she and her husband were interested in doing. Instead, her sister had recommended my clinic. So Natalie came to seek my help to see if there was anything else that we could try in order to get her cycles back to more normal. Now, we started off with obtaining all the results of her past blood work that she had done, which did actually include quite a lot of hormone tests. However, none of the lab draws had been timed to her specific ovulation day, so it was actually not possible to even know if her levels were normal or not. The other thing I noticed, which happens commonly, is that Natalie did not have any evaluation of her blood sugar or insulin levels other than just a one-time level, which didn't really tell us much because she wasn't even fasting at the time. Even though she was in her 20s, she had never had her cholesterol levels checked, which is also something really important that I always like to evaluate. This is because cholesterol does play a role in the ability of your body to synthesize progesterone and DHEA, which you now know are the precursors for androgens, estrogen, and many of the other important hormones that we've been talking about in recent weeks. So we started off with Natalie getting the repeated blood work timed to her cycle, which is obviously incredibly important as we have discussed in the past few episodes. Now, in addition to those tests, I also ordered a glucose tolerance test to further evaluate her blood sugar and insulin levels, and we also checked her cholesterol levels. Not surprisingly, we uncovered some additional hormone abnormalities that had not been previously identified since we knew where her levels should be based on where she was at in her cycle. I also found that Natalie had significant insulin resistance, meaning that the way her body reacted to blood sugar was not working properly. And as we'll talk about a little bit later, this can actually throw off lots of different things in the hormone pathways, specifically with ovulation which was likely causing her irregular cycles and fertility troubles. Now, with this new knowledge, I knew that we needed to correct the hormonal abnormalities, but we first needed to address the insulin resistance, or we would not be able to make any progress with the rest of her hormone changes. And so we got Natalie working with a registered dietitian who was able to help with education regarding blood sugar, carbohydrates, and how to balance her meals and snacks in a way that was better for her. I also started her on some supplements to help with improving her insulin resistance. 
Now, in Natalie's case, we did end up also putting her on a prescription strength medication to help with her levels because despite her best efforts at changing diet and lifestyle and taking the supplements, her readings just weren't improving enough. Once we started on that prescription strength medication, within the first two months of being on it, Natalie was able to achieve a natural pregnancy without the use of IVF and without the use of any other hormonal interventions. Truly, just by regulating her blood sugar levels through what we did with her lifestyle changes, the supplements, and then the prescription, we were able to correct so many of the other underlying hormonal abnormalities that were playing a role and likely causing her to have troubles with getting pregnant in the first place. So let's start off with talking a bit more about blood sugar. And I want to throw out a couple different terms because I do use them interchangeably. So you may also hear blood sugar referred to as glucose or carbohydrates or carbs. And the first thing I want you to remember is that not all sugar is bad sugar. You know, we need carbohydrates, we need sugar in order to function because glucose provides energy for our bodies to move, to think, and to act. However, our focus here is going to be on aiming more for those natural carbohydrates or what we call the good carbs. So this is going to include things like whole grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables. And when we talk about bad carbs, I'm referring more to things that are processed sugars. So high fructose corn syrup, soda, starchy snack foods, so chips, cookies, candies, sweets, all of those things that we generally know are not healthy for us. Now, there are a few different ways that we get glucose into our system and into our bloodstream specifically. So obviously, we see levels increase with whatever you're putting into your body in the form of food or drink. However, your body also stores glucose in the liver to use in times when you don't have enough sugar in your system, and the liver will secrete glucose in response to this. Your body will try to keep your blood sugar levels at a stable rate so that it can continue to function. The other opposing factor to glucose in your body is insulin. Now, insulin is secreted by your pancreas, which sits behind your stomach, and its primary role as a hormone is to regulate the blood sugar in your body. Insulin also helps to absorb glucose into cells to be able to use it immediately for energy if needed, or to convert it into glycogen, which is then stored in the liver and in your muscles. One of the tests that I've been ordering more frequently recently is an oral glucose tolerance test. Now, if you've been pregnant in the past, you've probably done this test. What it entails is we bring you in when you've been fasting for about 10 hours, and then we check your blood sugar and insulin levels. We then have you drink a sugary liquid and check your glucose and insulin levels again over the course of the next couple of hours. So I'm looking to see not only what your blood sugar levels do, but what your insulin levels do in response to that high sugar load that you consumed. The outcomes of this test help me determine how your body responds to carbohydrate or starch or sugar intake. Now we can see sugar readings go too high, or sometimes I see levels drop quite low in response to too much insulin being secreted. Sometimes the blood sugar levels are completely normal, but your insulin response is inappropriate, and we call that insulin resistance. Over time, even low-level elevations of your blood sugar 
can cause your cells to become less responsive to the insulin that your body is secreting. Because the cells are less responsive to insulin, your pancreas will try to secrete more insulin, which triggers your ovaries to produce more androgens. So in women, we often see this in cases of PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome, although it's not the only time that we can see insulin resistance. Interestingly enough, in men who have insulin resistance, it can actually cause erectile dysfunction and infertility because it decreases the sperm motility. So insulin resistance is important not just for females, but also for males when it comes to fertility concerns. Insulin resistance is also part of a bigger picture of something we call metabolic syndrome, which can also include health concerns like being overweight, having high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. Because of this, blood sugar becomes a discussion not just about your menstrual cycles and fertility, but also your overall long-term health. Insulin resistance also leads to increased inflammation in your body, which can play a vital role for the development of a follicle, as well as ovulation and the thickness of endometrial lining. When you have significant inflammation, it can also decrease your ovulatory hormones, so LH and FSH. And again, if we decrease all of your ovulatory hormones, it's going to lead to ovulation dysfunction and irregular menstrual cycles. So again, it's incredibly important to understand how glucose and insulin play a role with the regulation of the rest of your hormones. Now, when it comes time to treating either insulin resistance or elevated blood sugar levels, we really focus on aggressive lifestyle changes. I almost always recommend that we get you working with a health coach and a registered dietitian to try and change some of your lifestyle habits because it can be really challenging to change those habits in the long term. In addition to this, I oftentimes will recommend different supplements or prescription strength medications to help with insulin resistance because it is very hard to change insulin resistance once it's already occurring just with lifestyle changes. We really find the best outcomes when we're able to aggressively treat insulin resistance to improve your hormonal health as well as reduce your long-term health complications. So let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about cholesterol because cholesterol is an important precursor to a lot of other hormones that we've talked about in recent weeks. Cholesterol will convert to pregnenolone, which then converts into progesterone and eventually to DHEA. And again, as we've talked about in past episodes, DHEA is that important precursor for estradiol as well as all of the androgens. I think a lot of times people think cholesterol is all bad because we know that if your cholesterol levels are too high, it can cause problems like a stroke or a heart attack or blood clots. However, if your cholesterol levels are too low, it can lead to troubles with synthesizing your hormones as well as an increased risk of depression and cognitive impairment. Now, fortunately, low cholesterol is not all that common, but the most common reasons that we see this is if you're not getting enough cholesterol in your diet. Now, that can be happening if you are restricting the amount of calories you're eating or if you're trying to follow a very low-fat diet. We also see troubles with this if you're having problems with not absorbing your nutrients well. And that can be the case if you're deficient in your fat-soluble vitamins, which are vitamins A, D, 
E, and K. We can also find low cholesterol levels in cases of people who have low thyroid function, as well as low estrogen or testosterone levels. More commonly, we end up talking about cholesterol that's too high, and generally this is from a combination of your genetics and your lifestyle choices. So we're going to break it down just a little bit here and talk about the different components of cholesterol. So LDL, or low-density lipoproteins, are considered your bad cholesterol. They typically are the ones responsible for causing hardening of the arteries and lead to an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. LDL has largely a genetic component. However, you can positively impact your LDL numbers with lifestyle and dietary changes. VLDL, or very low-density lipoproteins, are also considered bad cholesterol. Now, VLDL transports triglycerides and helps to form plaques in the arteries. HDL, or high-density lipoproteins, are considered your good cholesterol. Now, HDL helps to remove excessive cholesterol from your bloodstream by transporting it back to the liver in order to break it down and send it out of your system. HDL does have a slight genetic component to it. However, lifestyle plays a much bigger role. So especially if you're getting good regular exercise, maintaining a healthy weight and a healthy diet, you can really help to boost those HDL levels. If you add together LDL, VLDL, and HDL, that will give you the total cholesterol reading in your bloodstream that we see on a lipid profile. Triglycerides are another piece that we evaluate in a general lipid profile. Now, triglycerides are actually a type of fat in your bloodstream. Triglycerides are stored in your fat cells and associated specifically with heart and blood vessel disease, especially if you also have low HDL levels. Triglyceride levels are primarily based on what you're eating, and if you have a diet that is higher in fats and lower in fiber, oftentimes your triglyceride levels are going to be really high. Now, there are also many other components when it comes to evaluating different pieces of your overall lipid profile, but these are the basic ones that you're going to see on just a general cholesterol panel. The best things to help lower your cholesterol with changes that you can make include maintaining a healthy weight, exercising regularly, and avoiding smoking. When it comes to your diet in particular, we want to focus on lowering the trans fats and the saturated fats. Just as a reminder, we don't want to be avoiding all fat and should be making sure to get healthy fats in your diet, like avocados, olive oil, fish, seeds, and nuts. The other thing that's really important with maintaining healthy cholesterol levels includes getting enough fiber in your diet. Your body uses dietary fiber in order to bind excess cholesterol in your bloodstream and eliminate it from your body. It's also incredibly important to watch your sugar and starch, as well as alcohol intake, because higher sugar intake will stimulate your liver to produce more of that bad cholesterol and decrease the good cholesterol, which is a bad combination. When it comes to your menstrual cycle and cholesterol changes, what we find is that as you approach that menopausal transition, your estrogen and testosterone levels will start to decrease before your cycles stop happening. Because it's a continuous feedback loop, your cholesterol levels will actually start to increase a bit because they're trying to stimulate more production of those other hormones downstream. 
So what we often find during these times is that I will see an increase in somebody's LDL, triglycerides, and total cholesterol, and unfortunately, a decrease in that HDL cholesterol as a woman is starting to approach that menopause time. Now, after someone has gone through menopause and in the years beyond, we see these cholesterol changes even further because the estrogen levels have dropped even more, and that combination can lead to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease as well as metabolic disorders in postmenopausal women. So it's really important to track what's going on with your cycles, to try and get ahead of the cholesterol levels, and to be able to be proactive about maintaining healthy cholesterol levels during your reproductive years and beyond. So thank you so much for hanging out with me on this slight detour this week from specifically discussing hormones, but hopefully you realize now the importance of understanding cholesterol levels as well as blood sugar and insulin when it comes to not only your hormones, but your overall health and why it's so important that we're evaluating these as a part of our full hormone profile that I order. I hope you've enjoyed this series all about hormones. I'm really looking forward next week to sharing with you an interview with one of our hormone coaches, Jennifer. She and I are going to talk about what hormone coaching is and how this can benefit you on your journey. We'll talk more about how you can take this information that we've been discussing the last few weeks talking all about the different hormones and how you can apply that knowledge in a way that helps you get the answers you need to achieve your goals when it comes to your menstrual cycle and fertility-related health. If you're ready to work with our elite team of healthcare professionals, go to our website, radiantclinic.com, to schedule a free discovery call with me and learn more about our package-based pricing for healthcare. We customize your treatment plan and include options to access a hormone coach, fertility awareness charting experts, a registered dietitian, a health coach, and of course, all the medical care you need from me as a board-certified physician. We are currently able to see people for in-person appointments in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area, or can arrange for a telehealth visit if you live in the state of Iowa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please share this podcast with someone in your life who would benefit from our services. Remember to subscribe to this podcast for more empowering content. I sincerely appreciate your support, and I look forward to sharing more with you on our next episode of Cycle Wisdom.